welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Sermon by Jason Cherry on March 27th, Lord's Day Service. to which I'd like to direct your attention this morning are found in Mark chapter 8, Mark chapter 8 verses 1 through 21. In those days when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish, and having blessed them, he said that those also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about 4,000 people, and he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not yet understand? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we can add nothing to you. We cannot tame you. We cannot tame your kingdom. Rather, we desire to be tamed by you and tamed by your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress, there's this scene with a man who has a roll of cloth. He unrolls the cloth and cuts some off. Then he unrolls some more and cuts some more off. And the more he cuts, the longer it grows. Bunyan then gives this rhyme about the man with the cloth. There was a man, and some did count him mad. The more he gave away, the more he had. And in a very real way, that is the point of this passage. The point of this passage is to explain kingdom math. In other words, the disciples' confusion about the mass feedings is because they don't understand kingdom math. Kingdom math has a principle articulated in Bunyan's rhyme. 
the more he gave away, the more he had. And so, welcome to Kingdom Math class. And we start with the fact that there are two mass feeding stories, and those two stories go together. There's a story in Mark 6 about feeding the 5,000, and then there's a story in Mark 8 about feeding the 4,000. It's not two stories about one event. They are two events that occur in two different locations with different details. The Mark 6 feeding involves Jews. The Mark 8 feeding involves Gentiles. The number of people are different. The number of loaves are different. The amount of leftovers is different. And Mark 8.1 says, again, a great crowd gathered, signaling that this has happened before. And Jesus makes a big point about comparing the two events in Mark 8, verses 18 through 21. And so that shows us that these two stories run closely parallel and that we need to read these two stories together. Each story has large, hungry crowds. Each emphasizes Jesus' compassion. Each presents the skepticism of the disciples at the thought of feeding a large crowd in the wilderness. Each records Jesus directing the crowd to sit and eat. Each tells us the crowd is filled and satisfied. And each has baskets of food left over. And so the accounts are clearly twin accounts. And with Jesus' words in Mark 8, verses 18 through 21, we see that we are supposed to interpret the second feeding with a view to the first one. Now, a moment ago, I said that the Mark 6 feeding involves Jews and the Mark 8 feeding involves Gentiles. See, in this section of Mark, really beginning in Mark chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus deliberately moves outside of Jewish territory. Jesus goes to the region of Tyre and Sidon, we're told in Mark 7, 24. And then in Mark 7, 31, we're told that he moves southeast to Decapolis. So Decapolis is this distinctively Gentile area. It's just east, really northeast of the Sea of Galilee. And it's just 10 small villages, and it's Gentile territory. Jesus doesn't return to Jewish territory until after the feeding of the 4,000. And in verses 14 through 21, Jesus gives us directions on how this story is supposed to be interpreted. And in those verses, he sets our attention on the disciples' misunderstanding. So look with me, starting verse 17. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see? Having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember? So Mark here is deliberately showing us the slowness and the dullness of the disciples. And so here Jesus confronts the disciples about their misunderstanding. And you know, when we come to these passages where Jesus is hard on the disciples, we usually like to ask, you know, should we be hard on the disciples or not? You know, and some people want to be hard on the disciples for their density, and then some want to jump in and defend the disciples and say, no, no, if we were in their shoes or we were in their sandals, you know, we'd be the same way. But you have to realize the point of this passage is not 
to be hard on the disciples or to be easy on them. And the point of the Pharisees' inclusion in the gospel record is not so we can be hard on them or be easy on them. They are given to us in the gospel record so that we might learn from them. And so when we reflect on the disciples' misunderstanding, we're not being hard on them. We're trying to learn from them. That's the point of these stories. So we're supposed to ask, what are we supposed to learn from the disciples' misunderstanding? Well, notice the language Jesus uses towards the disciples in verses 17 and 18. This is a paraphrase from Isaiah 6, 9 through 10. And we've seen Jesus use Isaiah 6 before. Back in Mark chapter 4, verse 12, Jesus used Isaiah 6, 9 through 10 to describe those who were outside the kingdom. And now Jesus uses those same verses and directs it towards the disciples. And the point isn't that they're outside the kingdom. The point is that this is pretty strong language that he's using towards the disciples. And you can understand why Jesus would use such strong language. Even after two mass feedings, the disciples still fail to grasp the significance of Jesus' ministry and teaching. Not to mention the fact that they don't see the danger of the Pharisees' ministry and teaching. And the disciples' misunderstanding begins in verse 4. In verse four it's a stunning verse. Look at verse 4. So this is after Jesus explains that he has compassion on the crowd and he wants to feed the wants to feed the crowd, the disciples ask, how can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And it's a stunning verse, especially if you've read Mark chapter 6. You expect them to have learned from the previous experience when Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves. And Jesus, in response, patiently asks them, how many loaves do you have? It's the exact same question found in Mark 6, 38, which invites the thought, here we go again. And so the point here is the disciples don't get it. The disciples have misunderstanding about these things. And so we need to learn two things from the disciples' misunderstanding. First, we need to see that they failed to learn from repeated experiences, and Jesus disapproves of this. He says to them, do you not remember? You see, in God's world, the way God made this world, we as human beings are supposed to learn from our experiences. And we're supposed to learn from our repeated experiences. And when the disciples here don't learn from this now repeated experience, that invites our Lord's disapproval. And so that means we have a responsibility as creatures in God's earth to learn from our experiences. This is how God designed his world. But the second thing we need to learn from their misunderstanding is that their misunderstanding is not forever. It says in verses 17 and 21, do you not yet understand? Do you not yet understand? In other words, they will eventually get it. And this gives us hope if you're a parent who just needled your child about, hey, were you listening when he said you're supposed to learn from experiences? If you're a parent and you're exasperated with your children who don't seem to learn from experiences, who don't seem to learn from repeated experiences, be patient. They do not yet understand. Eventually, they will. 
And it's your job to keep patiently teaching them through these experiences. Or maybe you're someone who's not frustrated with other people because they're not learning. Maybe you're frustrated with the Lord. Maybe you're frustrated with the Lord because he seems to be bringing you through the same experiences over and over. And you say, Lord, why am I here again? I already went through this before, and I learned a lot from that experience. But now I'm going through this again. Lord, why? Maybe you're frustrated with the Lord over these repeated experiences. And consider the fact that the Lord has something to teach you in each experience. Maybe you did learn a lot in that first experience, but maybe you need to learn a lot from this second experience of the same thing. In other words, seek out what you do not yet understand and realize the Lord is a good father as he brings you through this another time. And so we've got things to learn from the disciples' misunderstanding, and I want you to see how Jesus addresses their misunderstanding. So look with me at verses 18 through 21. He says, Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear, and do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? So here we have Jesus telling them they don't understand. But notice what he does. He then draws their attention to the details of the mass feedings. He draws their attention to the numbers. He draws their attention to the numerical details of the feeding. So he says, you don't understand. Think about it. Five loaves fed 5,000. Think about the math. Think about the numbers. And so apparently, the key to understanding these stories is to think about the numbers, is to think about the numerical details of these stories. And so Jesus addresses their misunderstanding by teaching them kingdom math. And so it's our job now to dwell upon these details that he draws our attention to. And so the numbers are meant to be noticed. In verses 18 18 through 21, the numbers are meant to be noticed. He's drawing their attention to the numbers. Jesus wants them, and he wants us, to think hard about the kingdom math of the two mass feedings. So let's do that. Let's do what Jesus told us to do with these stories. Let's make a few observations about the numbers. Let's make a few observations about kingdom math. And each observation will teach us new principles about the kingdom of God. All right, so here we go. First observation. There is more left when there is less to begin with. In other words, the less they begin with, the more is left. So in the feeding of the 4,000, they feed the crowd with seven loaves. And when they are done, there are seven baskets of bread left over. In the feeding of the 5,000, they feed the crowd with five loaves. And when they are done, there are 12 baskets of leftovers. And so in Mark 6, when there are fewer loaves and more people, there was more left over. The less they begin with, the more they have when the meal 
is done. And in Mark 8, the more they begin with, the less they end with. And so, we see this principle about the kingdom of God. There is more left when there is less to begin with. In other words, sometimes when our ministries begin with the least, sometimes when our activity seems so small or so feeble, God multiplies it the most. That's how things work in the kingdom of God. All right, let's make another observation about kingdom math. Observation number two. There is more left when there is more eaten. There is more left when there is more eaten. In Mark 6, when 5,000, besides women and children, eat as much as they can, they leave more food than the 4,000 do. In Mark 8, the smaller crowd cannot eat as much as the larger crowd. Yet their leftovers are less than when 5,000 fill themselves full. Now this isn't how we usually imagine things going. Usually the more people there are, the, more, the less remain. So you know this, there's, when, a, when, when a crowd of teenagers works through your house and then they leave, there's not more food when they leave. There's less food when they leave. We know how this works. When there's more people there, there's less food that remains. But not so in these stories. Here, consuming the bread multiplies it. When the number of people are at their largest, the leftovers are at their largest. And when the number of people are at their fewest, the leftovers are at their fewest. And so, we see this principle about the kingdom of God. The larger our wells from which to draw spiritually, the more will remain after we've served it out. In other words, when we fill ourselves full with the Word of God, when we fill ourselves full with the Spirit through prayer, and then we give it out, we'll have more left to give. All right, let's make another observation about kingdom math. Notice that there is more done when there are less visible means. There's more done when there are less visible means. So in Mark 6, there's only five loaves that feed 5,000. In Mark 8, there are seven loaves that only feed 4,000. In other words, the most was done when there was the least to do it with. And so we see this principle about the kingdom of God. You may begin with only five loaves, and yet you may end up feeding more people than those who begin with seven loaves. You may feed more even though you begin with less. That's how things work in the kingdom of God. Let's make another observation. Notice that there is more reward for more work done. What do you suppose Jesus and the disciples did with the leftovers? Well, they probably ate them. Wouldn't you be hungry after serving thousands of people? But notice, assuming the leftovers are their rewards, when they served 5,000 people, they had a larger reward, 12 baskets, than when they served 4,000 people, only seven baskets. In other words, the harder the work, the higher the reward. 
And so we see this principle about the kingdom of God. When you work for Christ, when you give for Christ, when you labor for Christ and sacrifice for Christ and leave all behind for Christ and renounce all that you have for Christ, you shall have a rich reward from him. And not a reward that's here today and gone tomorrow, an eternal reward. When the multitude are done feasting, your heavenly Father is one who will let you sit down at the feast and you will have abundant joy with him. Let's make another observation about kingdom math. And that is that there is direct significance in the numbers. We've already seen that the numbers are meant to be noticed. He says, you don't understand. No, let's think about the numbers. That's Jesus' solution to curing their misunderstanding. And so there's direct significance in the numbers. And the most direct difference between the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000 is that the first feeding of the 5,000, that's to the Jews. And the feeding of the 4,000, that's to the Gentiles. And so consider the Mark 6 feeding of the Jewish crowd, the feeding of the 5,000. Five loaves led to 12 baskets of leftovers. Well, five and 12 are significant Jewish numbers for their five books of the law and 12 tribes of Israel. And then consider the feeding of the Gentile crowd. In Mark 8, the feeding of the 4,000. Seven loaves feed 4,000 people. Well, seven and four, those are significant Gentile numbers. Four, as in the four corners of the earth, and seven, as in completeness, point to the worldwide dimension of the Messiah's mission. And I know, I know, before you sniff and say, you know, we really shouldn't think about the Bible like that. I know how we look at the Bible. I know that's what you're thinking. That's not what we're supposed to do with the Bible. That's not very literal. Well, realize that that's how the Israelites looked at the Bible. That's how they looked at the message of the Bible. And then don't overlook the fact that this is the very sort of thing Jesus is doing with the bread and the yeast comments in verse 15. Look at this. In verse 15, he cautioned them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. In other words, Jesus is telling them the reason you don't understand your mistake is that you're thinking about the bread too literally. And so we ought not make the same mistake. And so we see this principle about the kingdom of God. Symbols matter. And symbolism matters. And I'm not just talking about, you know, when we interpret different parts of scripture. I'm talking about in your life. Symbols matter and symbolism matters. Now the modern world doesn't like symbols. They don't like symbolism because they think that that tramples upon authenticity and you know that's the sacred you know that's the sacred cow of modern people authenticity and they think symbolism gets in the way of you being authentic because they think these symbols are somehow somehow hiding something not revealing the real you but realize no symbols matter and you're sending you're sending signals with your symbols whether you understand it or not symbols transfer meaning 
And it's not hard to see how this works. Just think about a very ordinary illustration. Just think about the average living room. Well, if in that living room you've got a 90-inch television right in the center of that living room, that's a symbol of what matters for that room. There's meaning being transferred through these symbols. And so in the kingdom of God, symbols matter and symbolism matters. So, let's reset. This is an unusual passage, isn't it? Right? Jesus is having us do math, kingdom math. And so just think about what have we done? Well, in this passage, Jesus fusses at the disciples because they don't understand. And then he draws their attention to the numerical details of the two mass feedings. And the implication is that dwelling upon the details of the two feedings, that's what gives us understanding. And so that's what we've done. We've dwelt upon the two feedings. We've dwelt upon the numerical details that Jesus mentions in verses 18 through 21. We've seen five kingdom principles. But as we bring all this together, what should we understand from this? Or to put it back into the context of the story, what should the disciples have understood by now? Well, we know that their understanding somehow is supposed to come from comparing the two feedings. So we have to ask, why are there two mass feeding stories? Notice how Jesus draws the disciples' attention to the fact that there are leftovers in both events. In both cases, they end up with more than they started with. And so the big point here is that consuming the bread multiplies it. And yet in verse 15, Jesus says, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And so the leaven of the Pharisees spreads too. That is, the influence of the Pharisees has spread throughout Israel. The Pharisees' rigid view of the law was in part because they thought the kingdom would come only when Israel was separated from the Gentiles fully. And so the Pharisees emphasize law-keeping because they're concerned about holiness, concerned about being set apart from the Gentiles who they regarded as unclean. And so they're pursuing a kingdom exclusive to Jews. But what we're seeing in Mark's gospel is that the kingdom is for Jews and Gentiles. And that's something that's beyond the comprehension of the Pharisees. Mark shows us that Jesus feeds the Jews in the feeding of the 5,000, and Jesus feeds the Gentiles in the feeding of the 4,000. And he draws the disciples' attention to the fact that in each case there are leftovers. And so, what's the point? Well, there is a pattern in Jesus' kingdom. Jesus came to feed the multitude within Israel and outside Israel. And when he does, in each case, there is abundance. But the disciples fail to see that. And Jesus' point in verse 15 is that the disciples are too influenced by the Pharisees. And so, when the disciples misunderstand, it means, well, there's still a lot to learn. But when there's a lot to learn, Jesus doesn't abandon his followers. It says in Mark 8:22, and they came to Bethsaida. In other words, the disciples keep following Jesus, and Jesus continues teaching them patiently. 
And as the second half of Mark's gospel unfolds, the disciples slowly realize that they are living through the dawning of the kingdom of God in the person of Jesus the Messiah. But for now, at this stage of the story, they have only dimly grasped what this means. They have seen and benefited from the multiplication of food, but they've only appreciated Jesus' miracles on a superficial level. And in this way, the disciples are like many people today who are raised in the church. They receive the grace of God in abundance, but they are slow to grasp it, and they are slow to believe it, and they are slow to profit from it. And so the final thought for you is that we must be patient to continue giving them the bread. Let's close by praying together. Heavenly Father, we long to more fully and clearly behold your kingdom, for there our happiness lies, with Christ exalted at your right hand. Father, may we receive the bread you give us in the fullness of joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com. Thank you.